0: You are listening to the Mercy View podcast. Mercy View exists to be a gospel centered family of missional disciples to the glory of God and for the city's good. For more information about Mercy View, please visit our website at mercyview.com. Now, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. We'll be in Jude chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. It says this Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. My name is John, one of the pastors here at Mercy View. Uh, We are so glad to have you here tonight. Um, Before we get started, I have one more announcement I want to make. I want to remind you that next week, uh, Sunday, September 19th, uh, we're going to be taking our time here on Sunday evening to hold what we're calling a family meeting. Uh, you know the last 18 months or so has been really difficult, and a lot has happened. Um, so we want to take t- some time to t- kind of talk about that, to talk about where we are, in a sense, and really. Focusly, and more importantly on where we're going um, As we kind of try to regroup so if you're a partner with us or you've been hanging out with us for a while uh, We really invite you to come uh, Be a part of that be present Uh, We you can expect to see um, Probably an email in the next day or so asking for any questions you might have So if you have questions beforehand you want to make sure we address we'll take a look at those uh, we'll also be providing just a kind of a small window of time at the end of that meeting for any questions that might arise during that. And so um, that said, we just really invite you to come. I think this is a really important time in the life of our church. Uh, and so we just want to fill everyone in and kind of let, let everyone know where we're going. So uh, we have so many young families here at Mercy View. I think that, that you'll relate to this story. Um, but when our girls were toddlers they were both runners you know what I mean Um, any opportunity they had to break free they were gone our girls were the ones you would see in the stores with the leashes on trust me sometimes it's needed don't judge Uh, but one time we were in particular we were we were at a local park here in the middle of Tulsa, and um, Nyla, our youngest, was fairly new to walking. And uh, if, you, if you knew anything about Nyla, and it's really still true, but even back then, she really didn't start walking, she just started running, like just full speed ahead all the time. We couldn't get her to slow down. Um, but we were playing at that park, and we turned for just a second, And she took off half she was halfway across the park before we realized where she was going and I took off after and I literally caught her at the edge of the street right in front of an oncoming car and so I learned I can't let go of this kid right and you know we think um, you know that when our kids are learning to walk they're toddlers and we love the feeling of them hanging on to our hands. You know, it's so cute, their little hands are gripping my fingers, walking alongside me, but they're quick to let go, right at the slightest distraction. And what do they do? They, they, they stumble, they fall, or, or maybe they run. Um, what we figure out as parents, though, is this, this doesn't need to be about you holding on to me, I need to hold on to you, right? I, I need to grab your hand. And listen, once once I've got your hand, you're not going anywhere. You're not gonna stumble and you're not gonna run. And so keep that in mind um, as, we, as we walk through this in Jude. Uh, tonight, we're gonna close out the series in Jude. We've called that series Detect and Declare. Um, and we're going to be talking about the, this beautiful doxology in verses 24 and 25. You heard Jacob read just a minute ago. As we walk through that text, I want you to see two things. And honestly, I got these from, these are from a Kent Hughes sermon. It was along the lines of what I was thinking and like, I'm just, these, these make sense. As we walk through that, I want you to see these two things. What God accomplishes for us. And then in verse 25, what God receives from us. But before we do that, I think it'd be good to spend a little bit of time looking back on where we've been. Because as amazing as the last two verses are on their own, they're even better in context. And so before we get started, let's let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for your amazing grace and mercy to us, Lord. Thank you for um, just the freedom, the opportunity to, to be here in this place, to worship you. Lord, help us to not forsake that. Uh, God, I just, uh, I pray that as we look back upon our time in the book of Jude, Lord, that we would, we would be reminded, first of all, of who we are in you. Um, but also, Lord, that you would remind us of just... Um, God, everything in the world that just presses in on us, that draws us away, and Lord, I pray that tonight would be an encouragement to us, Lord, that um, you are over all of it, and you're in control. And so, Lord, as, we, as we're here tonight, Lord, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to your word. Um, allow us to see new and fresh things. Let your Holy Spirit be in us now. I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So in a way, we'll start tonight, or we'll end tonight, where we started. Jude began the letter by reminding the recipients of their identity. Right? Our world is all about identity these days. Right? But if you're in Christ, our identity is found in Him. Not all the earthly things we might try to find our identity in. Jude writes, To those who are called... Right, to be called is to have your attention diverted. Diverted from where? Somewhere else. Sleep, darkness, death. And when God calls us, he awakens us to new life. So he says to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, to be beloved is to be much loved. How much does God love you? Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jude continues, To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. How beautiful is the thought that we're kept? To be kept is to be held To be kept in this sense is to be protected or guarded. And we're gonna come back to that idea later. But Jude reminds them of who they are and then he goes on to write that his desire was to talk about these things even more. In verse three he says, I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, but instead it's necessary that I write to you to contend for the faith that was once once and for all delivered to the saints. Jude has to change his plan in order to respond to something pressing certain people had crept in unnoticed false teachers jude then goes on for the next 12 or 13 verses to describe these false teachers and what he describes is this distortion of doctrine and it's a lack of character these teachers weren't teaching rightly nor were they living rightly In Jude's immediate context, it seems that much of what these teachers were saying and doing was related to sexual immorality. He says they pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny Jesus. He compares them to Sodom and Gomorrah, cities that were punished and destroyed because they indulged in sexual immorality and and pursued unnatural desires. And he goes on and he uses vivid imagery to describe these teachers hidden reefs, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, fruitless trees, wild frothing waves, wandering stars. And then finally in verse 16, he makes it plain. These are grumblers, malcontents, loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage and following their own sinful desires. It didn't take long for these types of people to creep into the church. And they've been around ever since. Jude writes from about 2,000 years ago, but doesn't this all sound familiar? We're steeped in a culture that's pushing hard to normalize sexual immorality in pursuit of unnatural desires. Even in the church. We've seen spiritual leaders fail and, and fall from the faith. We've seen men whose doctrines seem, to s- seem sound deny racism and all of its implications. We've seen other leaders, brothers and sisters in Christ, treat each other in horrible, unloving, and slanderous ways over things like women's roles in the church or political opinions or, or the pandemic. Scripture calls us to love and pray for our enemies, let alone other believers. But it seems like so many have lost the ability to look past their own noses and get out of their own heads. And Ryan kind of spoke to that individualism last week. And to make it all worse, it's public. It's visible. It's all instantaneously in your face and on display. It's harder sometimes, most of the time, all the time, to avoid the negativity than it is to find good. And all of this can be so discouraging, It's confusing. I can't imagine being a seeker, someone looking into the faith or, or a new believer trying to navigate the faith in times like these. I know how difficult it is for my girls with all the mixed messages they see and they hear. So what do we do? We have to do exactly what Jude calls the church to do, Here, We have to fight to persevere, we contend for the faith. There in verses 17 through 23 that we looked at last week, Jude tells us exactly how we are to contend for the faith. If you're like me, when you hear contend for the faith, you think um, my mind kind of goes to like external contending, right? Maybe it's evangelism or or apologetics or debating someone over our beliefs. But what we see here is that contending is first and foremost internal. It it involves your own heart and mind. Look with me there in, in 17 through 23. In verse 17, he says we're to remember the words of the apostles, right? So we're to remember God's word. We're to keep it before us. We're to build ourselves up in verse 20, to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. In verse 20 also, we're to pray in the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. I think those first three things are part of what that looks like, right? Keeping ourselves in the love of God. And finally, we're to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So, continuing for the faith is, first of all, it's a fight for our own faith. But having built up our own faith, it's also something we have to do for and with those around us. This can be such a difficult part because what this requires is wisdom and discernment. It can require boldness. It can require restraint. It probably requires relationship. It certainly requires that we pray. So let's look what he says in the last part of that. verse 22, have mercy on those who doubt. So we're going to encounter some people who waver in their faith and they deal with doubt and assurance. For some, those are momentary struggles or they're seasonal struggles. For some, they can be lifelong. Jude's saying that to those people, to some of those people, we need to be merciful, merciful, compassionate, gentle. But he goes on. Save others by snatching them from the fire. So some are wavering in their doubt. Others are full on believing the lies and they're falling headlong into sin. And with these people, many times we've gotta be bold. We've gotta be willing to step into hard conversations. We have to intervene. But it's not licensed to be a jerk. But remember truth and love. Everything we do, everything we say needs to be done in truth and love. So though there's urgency, there has to be truth and love. Our tendency is to fall on either side. And finally, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by stashing them from the fire. And then show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by the flesh. I don't think these people are much different from the people we're to snatch from the fire. This is where we have to be discerning. Like some, you know, these people are are unrepentant, um, but they require a different approach. We have to walk more gently beside them, being careful not to, to fall into the influence of their sin. Hating the sin while loving the sinner. I think that's what hating the very garment stained by the flesh means. Show mercy to the person. Hate the sin. Fear the sin. So friends, this is hard. This is one of the most difficult things we'll do. And how do we know what to do? It requires wisdom. It requires prayer. It assumes community. In fact, all of this contending, the internal and the external, it's communal in nature. To have mercy on others or to snatch them from the fire means that we have to know them. We also have to know enough about them and their life to be able to make that discernment, to make that call. But the contending that's more internal, that requires community too. So much of keeping ourselves in the love of God is going to require others to speak into our life. Praying with us in the Spirit, reminding us of the words of the apostles, helping us build ourselves up in the faith. Our spiritual formation is not something that can ever happen in isolation. And that brings us to our passage for today, Jude 24 and 25. Jude writes this again. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of the glory of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. What what a beautiful reminder. This would have been such reassurance for the church then, and it should be for us. Jude began this letter with a reminder to God's people of who they are in him, called, beloved, and kept. And now, after a dire warning about those who would try to draw them away and a a charge to fight for the faith, that he ends in a similar place. But instead of reminding them of who they are, he reminds them and us who God is. And again, there are two things I hope we see in this passage. What God accomplishes for us and what God receives from us. What he accomplishes for us and what he receives from us. So first, what God accomplishes for us. Look at that verse again. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, so a lot of times when we hear the language of stumbling um, or, or falling, we tend to think of our tendency to sin in the day to day, right? Or, or, or maybe it's it's seasons of of just ongoing falling into a, a particular sin. Um, so, so it'd be easy to look at this verse as to him who is able to keep you from sinning today. But that's not what Jude means. I mean, he certainly can do that through the work of the Spirit. In fact, I think some of what we talked about with contending for the faith um, is, is what helps us to do that. It keeps us from sinning. But what Jude's talking about here is falling or stumbling in an eternal sense. Jude here is praising God, even though we might be, uh, even, even though we might be tempted, tested, and at times might even trip, He's, he's faithful to keep us from falling forever. He keeps us. And this isn't, this isn't unique to Jude. We see this elsewhere throughout Scripture. Um, Psalm 121 is a beautiful example of that. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil and he will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forevermore. And then if we go to the New Testament, we see it there as well. Romans 8, 30. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 1 Corinthians 1, 7 and 8. Paul writes of our our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, God didn't choose us or keep us because of anything we've done. He'll never forsake us because of something we do or fail to do. Rest in that. Ryan reminded us last week um, of the story in Matthew 14, where in the midst of the storm, Jesus begins walking on water out to his disciples in the boat, and Peter, being Peter and and trying to, to test the Lord in a way, he begins to walk on water out towards Jesus But in the midst of the storm, he gets scared. He begins to doubt. His faith wavers and he begins to sink. What happens next? Jesus grabs Peter by the hand and he pulls him up and he keeps him from sinking. That's what Jude's talking about here. It's much like the story in the beginning, right? When I have your hand, my child, you're not getting away. He keeps us from stumbling. We'll never drown. When we're struggling with assurance, when we're discouraged, when the voices of the world are drawing us from all sides, the most important thing we can do is remember this and rest Rest, draw near, not try harder. That's what we're prone to do. We're prone to to, to pull up our bootstraps and do more. That's not the answer. He keeps you. Rest in that, not do more. Rest in his finished work. But if we keep going, it gets better. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. So not only does he keep you and hold you and guard you and protect you, he will present you blameless before his presence with great joy. How amazing is that? To be blameless is to be without fault. None of us can say that. Scripture says in Romans 3 that no one does good. No, not one. It also says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We should be amazed that he would save. We should be amazed that he would keep us as messed up as we are. How can we even be Im- or imagine being presented blameless before God when even as believers, we've lived our lives in rebellion? In the early days of Mercy View, we used to sing a song. And it's based on an old Isaac Watts hymn. It's based ultimately on Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. And I couldn't find the lyrics of the newer version. Um, but here are the first couple of stanzas from the old one says, not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away its stain. But Christ, the heavenly lamb, takes all our sins away, a sacrifice of nobler name, a richer blood than they. So how, how, how can I be presented blameless? How can you be presented blameless? How could he do that? but no other way than the blood of Jesus. On the basis of Christ Jesus, his blameless life, which I could never live, his sacrificial death as the perfect spotless lamb, which should have been mine. Only then and how can we, is that the that only, that's the only way that we can and will be presented before God, blameless, just like Christ. But listen, not only are we to be presented blameless, but with great joy. Think about that. You and I cost him his son to save us. And yet he's going to keep us no matter how we wander. And no, is he going to keep us, he's going to present us, with, present us blameless. And he's going to do that with great joy. How much does God love you? But this joy isn't just his. It's not a private joy where God alone rejoices. It's going to be a very shared and public joy. This is going to be a celebration where God's people are gathered together for all eternity and finally delivered, celebrating together. And that leads to my last point. One day, we as believers get to be a part of that celebration where we rejoice at all he's done as we cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. just because we aren't there yet doesn't mean we can't celebrate him now so I want us to see now at the end in verse 25 what God receives from us verse 25 says this to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forever amen So we here now have the privilege to do that. One day we can do perfectly for all eternity. We can worship him. We can praise him. And on that day we're presented blameless. We'll join with countless voices from all eternity, from every nation, tribe, and tongue. But while we await that day, we have an opportunity to do that together the best we can here and now. We do that by making much of him. We do that when we lift our voices together. We do that when we pray together. We do that when we contend for the faith. When we fight to remember the finished work of Christ Jesus. Let's pray.